Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash everything sounds. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash everything sounds. Ignition sequence start. Five. Everything. Three. Everything. Sounds. Sounds. This is Everything Sounds. I'm Craig Shank. This is Everything Sounds. Everyone has times where they feel out of place, but usually you can find some way to make it through. Today, some people check their phones, others initiate small talk, and sometimes just leaving a situation is an option. But we're turning back the clock to tell the story about people who endured hard times and managed to work through them without those options. These people use the sounds of language, dance, and music to help them connect to others, remember their loved ones, and endure those awful conditions. Uh, I'm Dr. Betty Sibongile. Betty Sibongile Damini now. We needed help to tell this story. I've been trying to say Betty, because when I say Betty, they think I'm saying Betsy. I was born in Swaziland, and now I work at Indiana University, where I teach Isizulu. Uh, language spoken in South Africa, one of the 11 official languages. Southern African people have a unique relationship with music. The Southern African people, uh, singing and dancing is really part of their everyday life. Betty grew up in Southern Africa, and she experienced the role of music while she was working on her father's farm. When we were weeding, we would sing, and we would have fun. Just reading and then sometimes singing and do it in, a, in such a rhythm that we enjoyed reading. Or when people are doing any kind of work, even lifting up a, a heavy log or something, any kind of heavy task, then they would start having some kind of a chant or a slogan, they would say, encouraging one another to do this work or saying something that, hey, together we can do it. Those are the kinds of words they would have. Long before Betty was born, a new tradition would develop from hardships in the southern African region. Settlers and traders in the mid-1800s discovered gold and diamonds, which led to economic opportunities. And after mining near the surface, miners eventually had to go deeper to find more gold. And the deeper you go, the hotter it gets. And it wasn't uncommon for those mines to collapse. On top of that, the supervisors often treated miners terribly. Sometimes miners would get kicked in the ribs if they were caught taking breaks. On top of that, sometimes the mines were filled with water, sometimes up to their knees. And having their feet in water made them develop sores on their feet. And some of these were very, very de deadly. People would just lie down and the production, uh, so the productivity was lessened. So the mine owners, instead of solving the problem, by dealing with the water because they were concerned about the production. They wanted to get more gold. How they got it wasn't an issue. So they decided to give the miners uh, some rubber boots. And they were called, and, and even today in Southern Africa, what the rubber boots or rain boots we have here, they are called gum boots because of the rubber that is from a gum tree. Even though working in the mines was dangerous, the owners of the mines still needed to find people to do it. Those people who owned the mines realized that there was so much work that needed to be done and they couldn't do it on them or on their own. So they went to recruit people from all over the world. Even people from as far away as China and Europe came looking for work in the mines. 
but the majority of the miners were from what was then known as the Republic of South Africa. What we call South Africa today is just new. It's only from 19, the 1990s after Mandela was out, but before then it was the Republic of South Africa. There were people from all over the world working in the gold mines, and many of them were far from home, so they were given housing. But as you might have guessed, the conditions were not great. And to top it off, these miners had emotional hardships in addition to the physical ones. These men, they were together, just men only, and their wives back home, children back home, so they would miss their families, they would miss their food. But then they were put together, even like somebody from Malawi, somebody from Botswana, Lesotho, they would be put together without the consideration of their background. Miners found a few ways to work through their differences. They came up with a language which was called Fanagalo. It was a mixture of many different languages. Fanagalo was a Creole language which incorporated the different um, black Southern African people's languages as well as the little bit of English and uh, uh, Afrikaans. That is the Dutch or the white Afrikaners, the people who were originally Dutch. Sharing a language let the miners communicate with each other, but there were still more challenges. The working conditions were grueling and difficult to handle without some encouragement. They never had time to rest. Sunday afternoon was the only time they would have. Do you remember what Betty said about music's role in the work that was done by Southern African people? The Southern African people, uh, singing and dancing is really part of their everyday life. Well, the mines were no exception. When they were working down there, they would start making those chants. Like, hey, let's do it together. Like, we have one that would say, Ganya, Ganya, Kugula ni daughter. We say, let's lift up men, let's lift up men together. If it's a very heavy thing that, it, let's say, maybe 10 people wouldn't be able to lift, once they start on chanting and then they do it rhythmically, that thing would move. Even if it's a rock, it will get out of place. In addition to sharing a language and work chants, miners brought along their own dance styles too. For instance, when the Zulu people dance, they are very aggressive, they are, even their talk. So their dancing would be like, hey, and they hit, they stomp, they lift up their legs very high and stomp the ground very hard. And others like the Botswanas who are hunters and when you read their history, the San Khoisan people, they're very skilled hunters. So their own um, dance styles is like, uh, like they, they were hunting, the, the moves that they would make. So when they were together, the Botswanas would bring their praying mantis kind of moves. The Zulus, they are stomping uh, style. But then those different dances were brought together. And if you're wondering what some of those chants sounded like, yes, um, Betty had a few examples. One of them is like, Kugula Zasha Mkondo Unenala. That one is for lifting up. Another one is a hi asibe savitina. That is hey, we are not scared of them. As you might have guessed by now, and based on that second example, miners sometimes needed to conceal their feelings or show a non-violent resistance to those in charge. But then they incorporated their own codes. They coded this. 
They, they would stomp or sometimes whistle, which is part of the dancing, whistling and chanting. But then they would bring in their own communication. So the dance would mean like, hey, be careful, there comes the supervisor. And the others would just go in a frenzy, not necessarily as entertainment, but as a way of alerting um, the supervisors who are coming. Many of the supervisors actually liked the dancing and chants. They thought it was helping morale and increasing production. But sometimes the miners would chant things like this. That essentially allowed the miners to call the supervisors stupid to their faces for disrespecting them and calling them boys. However, it's important to note that the tone of the chants was generally positive and about things such as... They have songs which are about their food back home, their wives they miss, and everything, sometimes even cattle, everything that was of value to them, which they had left at home, they would sing and chant about, and also words of encouragement like they would do before they went to the mines. When the miners returned home, they brought some things back with them. But whenever they went back home, they took their rubber boots with them. And they brought so many other things, trinkets and so many other things from the city. And when they were back home, people would be like, you know, Southern Africa, that's a, that's a tropical area. You don't have to wear boots on a hot summer day. But these ex-miners would wear their, they would go around as a way of showing off because even their language, they would speak this fanagalo and it was cool. Everybody would be like, hmm, we, we, they like that. So they like showing off. They had worked very hard, but as a way of rewarding them, this was a reward for them that they are the Bintus. They've been to the city of gold. Everything they brought back seemed to be a sensation. People noticed that the way they danced wasn't common, but the common thing is that in all these different places, what these people were dancing, the way they were dancing was uh, the same because that was a product of their dancing there. The name Gambo Dance wasn't even given by the miners. It was by the people because they say, huh, they call it Gambo Dance because this is the way they dance it when they are wearing those gumboots. Over time, the miners themselves and the people in their communities would add elements to gumboot dancing. Even in the early 1900s, they would uh, use guitars. Like these days, they have electro, uh, electrical organs and these pianos. They bring all that to gumboot dancing. After spending time at home, miners eventually returned to work. For many years, working conditions were still poor in the mines, but eventually progress was made. The miners started having unions and they wanted to challenge all this and say, hey, we are human, we have to be um, treated right. It was a struggle, but again, because of the unions, they didn't get their freedom just like that. They fought, but then through the fighting, things became a little bit better. What's now known as gumboot dancing is done primarily as a tribute to the men that worked in the mines. Gumboot dance is about making the best of any situation. The beauty of having people going through hardships and being positive, really being encouraging one another, just being positive about the situation and having hope that things will be better. It is a product of diversity and that in Southern Africa, really like South Africa today is an example of people um, who are so different and it's not the difference that we should focus on, but it's the commonalities that we can focus on. Those people are different, but they are still a unit. They are people of South Africa. 
Gumboot dancing has now spread throughout the world, thanks mostly to students studying abroad and bringing their traditions with them. It may seem unusual if you're seeing and hearing gumboot dancing for the first time, but as Betty explained, But they stayed strong, they were dancing all the way through as a way of staying positive. It may look stupid to other people, but really, that is powerful. The audio examples of gumboot dancing are from a recording by Stephen Bess of La Soul's Dance Project and from the show Umoja, The Spirit of Togetherness, both of which you can learn more about on our website, everythingsounds.org. And don't forget to keep the ratings and reviews coming on iTunes. If you've already done that, consider supporting the show by becoming an Everything Sounds audiophile. You can pay what you'd like and get access to bonus material as it becomes available. Find out more at everythingsounds.org support. I'm Craig Shank. Thanks for listening to Everything Sounds. This has been Everything Sounds. Find out more about the podcast at everythingsounds.org. Connect with Everything Sounds on Facebook and also on Twitter.